This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Brushes her hair, rifles her closet. Which cat suit to wear? And then she asks him, Do we patrol tonight? And Bruce says, No, it's bad books for beginners tonight. They go to a party Everyone wants to see Bruce and Selena The trouble that she can be And then she asks him Anyone here to fight? He says let's go we got bad books for beginners tonight If you like bad books But don't know which trade paperbacks you should buy There's a podcast for you all That will help you get it right Bad books for beginners And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 198. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Battle for the Cal. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, you got some Clapton on today's oh, show. Yeah, love me some Clapton. I do too. Very, very cool. Oh, thank you. It's a pretty song. Yeah, Jerry, you amaze me again. Oh. Outstanding job with that. That's another masterpiece. Oh, thanks so much, Chris. Okay, Batman Battle for the Cowl is a 160-page full, full-color. Hey, how about that full-color? That's full-color. Soft-cover yeah, soft trade paperback that was released in 2010, and it had a subsequent printing in 2015. Both editions had a cover price of fourteen ninety nine. In 2009, there was a hardcover edition release that was cover-priced at $19.99. The trade paperback collects the three-issue miniseries Batman Battle for the Cowl. Those issues were cover-dated May through July of 2009, and those issues were cover-priced at $3.99 each. They were written by Tony Daniel, art by Tony Daniel, and Sandu Florea. It also includes Gotham Gazette, Batman Dead, cover dated May 2009 and priced at $2.99, written by Fabian Nencienza and art by Dustin Gwynn in various... And it also includes Gotham Gazette, Batman Alive, cover dated <laughs> July 2009, priced at $2.99, written by Fabian Nencienza, art by Dustin Gwent and various. If you would like to obtain a version of this story, the cheaper route to go may be to go check out Comixology, as the price of this volume was $5.99 at the time of this recording. The hard copy uh, back issues are hovering at about cover price to slightly higher. The hardcover is over cover price, and the soft mm. cover trade is at slightly less than cover price. 
Okay, for our creative team, as per usual, I'll go off some online sources and my memory. All the big names I think we have previously mentioned on our podcast before. Antonio Salvador Daniel, known as professionally as Tony Daniel or Tony S. Daniel, has worked on various titles. I think I first encountered him on Image Comics title The Tenth. His other credits include, and he's probably best known for his work on DC, including work on Teen Titans, Batman, Detective Comics, Savage, Hawkman, Superman slash Wonder Woman, and more recently on Deathstroke. Fabian Nencienza was born December 31st, 1961, making him 57. Uh, he was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He was four years old when his family moved to the United States. He grew up in New Jersey, and Nencienza learned how to read from comic books. Mm-hmm. He lived in Sayreville, New Jersey, and m- moved to Old Bridge Township, where he attended Madison Central High School. Graduated in 1979. Then he was at Rutgers, and he interned at ABC TV before graduating in 1983 with a degree in advertising and public relations. Nancy's first published comic story came in Cyforce, number nine. Cover dated July 1987. Hey, I think I have that one. It's a title mm-hmm. in Marvel's New Universe imprint. Now, in 1991, Nitzienza joined with artist Rob Liefeld in Colpotting and writing the final three issues of the New Mutants title. In those issues, Liefeld and Nitzienza created the characters Deadpool and Shatterstar, and as well as the Super Team X-Force. Other credits for DC Comics, though, include Action, Nightwing, and Red Robin. In 2016, for the comics company Shatner Singularity, he adapted a Stan Lee poem into the graphic novel Stan Lee's God Woke. That work won the 2017 Independent Publisher Book Awards Outstanding Books of the Year Independent Voice Award. And finally, we have Dustin Gwynn, born in 1976. I likely first encountered his work when it was on Detective Comics, starting Mm. back with issue number 840. And that was written with uh, writer Paul Denny. Uh, Their land... Their run only lasted to issue uh, 852, but after that, the pair launched the uh, title Batman Streets of Gotham. Now, that run lasted 21 issues, and it was canceled in March 2011. In 2012, Gwen collaborated with writer Scott Snyder on the miniseries American Vampire, Lord of the Nightmares. Uh, That made the New York Times bestseller list in 2013. He subsequently launched Batman Lil Gotham with (laughs) co-writer Derek Fridloffs. It's an all-ages series that was positively reviewed by USA Today. And in rendering that series, uh, Gwen stated that he drew the inspiration from the cartoons from the 80s and 90s that he viewed in his childhood, and explained, while watching them, you get this goofy sense of the world, unquote. And in 2015, along with uh, writer uh, Jeff Lemire, he launched the creator-owned image comic series Descender, for which Gwen won the 2016 Eisner Award for Best Painter Multimedia Audience. And I have to confess, I've yet to read any of this stuff from Descender, but the people I know insist it's just amazing, and I've, I, I have to pick this up. Hmm. Now, as regards to this particular trade, over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of four stars out of five, based on 94 reviews. Hmm. And over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.47 stars out of five, based on 6,209 ratings and 189 reviews. Uh-huh. But will Jerry and I have any <laughs> battles of our own in our respective assessments of this book? Stay tuned, dear listeners. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Oh, thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this? Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered Red Kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori the Morris hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you, cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. It would be a good fight, though. Hello, I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. Welcome back. Here is the story of Battle for the Cow. Tim Drake Robin is patrolling Gotham with his new sidekick, Squire, 
It seems that Gotham's falling apart now that Batman's gone, and the Bat family is importing costumed muscle. For justice, of course. Penguin and Two-Face are having a gang fight with each other. Other small gangs are trying to carve out territory for themselves. Gotham is a bloody mess, and its citizens need help. Robin and Squire chase three armed gangsters into an abandoned hospital. After they apprehend them, they find they are carrying a note that says, I am Batman. The pair race off to assist Nightwing, Huntress, and Knight, who are fighting some pigmen. Eesh. <laughs> Yuck, I hate that. Black Mask, who's not dead, obviously, pirates a bus full of prisoners bound for Arkham. He's got an Instagang starring Scarecrow, Poison Ivy, Killer Croc, and more. He tells them that Batman is dead, and he's putting together a killer gang to take over Gotham. They buy into his crazy scheme. He made it sound so good. Commissioner Gordon, with his police force under political attack, <coughs> for good reasons, is asked if Batman is dead, and he just doesn't have an answer. Dick Grayson is in the Batcave, eyeballing Bruce's Batsuit Museum. It's kind of like Cooperstown. Tim suggests that while the Bat family moped about what they should do about the absent Batman, someone else has taken on the mantle, and he's kind of a murderous joke. It's got to be Jason Todd, Tim deduces. People are kind of telling Dick that he needs to take over his Batman and get over any qualms he has. Dick isn't biting, though, and people are getting on him, but in a nice way, but firmly. Oracle calls Dick and gives him the scoop about the Arkham bus hijacking. Catwoman is out catwomaning in Crime Alley when a familiar cape and cowl appear in the Gotham sky. Ooh. Also, the rival gangs are messing with each other and cutting off supplies of this and that. Damien is on a date in his souped-up Robin mobile when Oracle calls him into service. His date gets ejected, but Killer Croc punches the car into a roadside <laughs> lake. He's set upon by villains, but Nightwing glides in to fly him out of trouble. Or so they think. They're attacked by Black Mask's men and cornered in a warehouse. However, a pistol-shooting guy in a cape and cowl rushes in screaming, I am Batman, and kills all the attackers. Kills them! Nightwing is ticked off that this Batman imposter killed a bunch of guys while wearing the bat signal. Like, how dare you? The guy just has a chuckle and leaves. Nightwing and Robin give chase. This guy sure seems to know a lot about the Bat family setup and seems very familiar. Dick figures it's Jason Todd. Fake Bats shoots Damien. Dick gets the wounded kid out of there to get patched up by Alfred. Fake Batman is looking for Black Mask. Alfred guilts Dick into, you know, some more about putting on the Batman suit. Someone in a more classical Batman outfit goes to look for Jason Batman. Is it Dick? He gets a kind of an assist from Catwoman. The pair find Jason Batman's Batcave and Jason attacks them. He leaves fake bat Batman number two with a batarang stuck in him. Turns out that this fake Batman was Tim all along. Ooh, that's a twist. Turns out Bruce forbade Dick from becoming Batman, so that's why he won't do it. There are reasons. Jason Batman takes Tim Batman hostage. Two-Face launches an attack on the GCPD, and Commissioner Gordon is only saved by his bulletproof vest. The GCPD building is a smoldering mess, and the GCPD starts rounding up main baddies, Penguin, Two-Face, etc. No mention of Black Mask, though. It turns out that Black Mask is claiming victory, with his Black Mask curiously in his lap. Hmm, I didn't know he could take that off. Nightwing goes to Jason's Batcave in look at getting Tim back. There are tricks, arguments, punches, etc. Dick plays a hologram of Bruce's last message to Jason, kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi or My Only Hope style. It's sweet, and because it's sweet, it angers Jason. There's more punching and complaining about childhoods. Turns out Tim's okay, the Batarang wasn't so bad, and he's better now due to these mystical rodent meditations he's into. More Nightwing and Jason fighting. Damien and Squire arrive just in time to save Tim from a big explosion and collapse. Finally, Dick kicks Jason so hard he goes flying off the side of a building or a platform or a canyon or something. They have a give-me-your-hand moment, and Jason falls into the sea. No! 
Dick apparently relents and suits up as Batman. So that's the main story, but we do get a couple of follow-on stories. So the veil uh, stands on top of Gotham buildings and says poetic things about the state of Gotham. So that's one story. Uh, another one is Vicky Vale is investigating the Batman is missing situation and wants to reconnect with Bruce. He won't call her back because Bruce might be dead. Get it? Both your problems are the same problem. Anyway, Alfred probably gets wind of her desire to go to the Robinson Ball and she gets an invite to the big Gotham soiree. But sadly, Bruce is, quote, away, unquote. At the ball, she sees Tim is all cut up. Hey, now that I think of it, when she used to lay naked in bed, uh, Bruce was awful cut up by scars. He blamed Polo, but now that I think about it, that sounds made up. <laughs> so he, she realizes he must be Batman and is now going to try to prove it. Spoiler alert, he is. Uh, speaking of spoiler alerts, Stephanie Brown spends her time using her superhero skills protecting her mom, mooning over Tim and her place in the world, and occasionally occasionally stepping out in the spoiler garb. And we get a fight with the uh, villain Nocturna. And another story, Leslie Tompkins, who Bruce knew as a youngster and, and knows his nighttime gig, uh, returns to Gotham after spending time setting up a free clinic in Africa in penance for faking Stephanie Brown's death, which we've covered on the show before. She has a protector, a man who used to be the Cavalier, but now is just a plain old Mortimer Drake. Who's effective. And finally, Harvey Bullock is investigating the death of someone whose head was chopped off by someone seven feet tall with a blazing hot sword. He detects that it is someone calling himself by the name of the vigilante Azrael. Hmm, who could that be? So those are the stories. Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for these tales after these words from some of our friends. Hey folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. What we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, Make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pic on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary... 
Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. All right, Chris, what'd you think? Jerry, this is one where I don't know where to start exactly because we had so many things going on. We've got yes. this big one long fight scene between Dick and Jason. We've got a little bit of uh, subplots going on with other characters. We've got Damien on a date? What is yeah. this? Who's this Damien? I, I don't know. This, it seems so out of character for me. Well, you know what? Why don't I step back and take a uh, get the art out of the way before I sure. forget? Uh, I really, really like Tony Estaniel as an artist. He does that outstanding work. And I know when I pick up a, a book, that he did the art in, I'm going to be satisfied with the artwork, no no question about it. Sure. That said, I did have some problems with uh, some of the layouts that seemed to be mm, kind of like almost director shot-ish, mm-hmm. you know, where we got some angles from above, we got some angles from on. There, was, there seemed to be a little bit of a, a gratuitous shot of Black Canary's hindsight in issue number three that I thought was pretty unfortunate. Uh, I, yeah. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. I really get a Paul Glacey vibe with Tony Estaniel, mm-hmm. and uh, overall the artwork I thought was really good. It was so cool to see Nocturna again yeah. uh, and some of these other characters from the 80s, you know, back in the Doug Mensch run, I think that was, back in the mid-80s. That was really good. But uh, I, I just... I just this this seemed to be going in so many places at yeah. once, and I, I just tried to connect with one piece of the story, and mm-hmm. it seemed to be top heavy with the fight scenes and little under heavy with some of the other subplot with the other characters. Yeah. So uh, I think I ate, ate too much of the buffet, and I didn't leave enough room for dessert, <laughs> <laughs> if, if so to speak. If that makes any sense, those were my initial broad stroke, mm-hmm. uh, broad brush impressions. Jerry, what what were your thoughts in this mishmash? Well, yeah, you know, because Gotham's falling apart, we do get to see a lot of characters. So, you know, we see the birds of prey here, we see Poison Ivy, and and, and these are some of my favorite characters. I love the bird, you know, uh, Black Canary, you know, with Oracle and that whole... Uh, we Lady see Blackhawk, I think, even showed up We too. saw Blackhawk, absolutely. And I love those characters. But here, you know, usually they put these kind of characters in these big kind of um, overarching stories for a little bit of fan service. Ah, you know, everybody loves Birds of Prey. Let's put them in. And I do. But for some reason, I just, it didn't grab me. And I'm the target audience for a lot of these characters. This fan service is servicing me. Um, but it still kind of didn't work. There was just something off about this. And you mentioned Damien. You know, who is this kid? You know, he's on a date. And they're having these conversations. And and he's really sharing a lot of details with his date. Who, you know, if she was, uh, you know, inquisitive at all, she could figure out that, you know, the Waynes are the, are the Bat family. And and then they, Oracle ejects, uses the ejection seat to get rid of her. I mean, what? I mean, what? It, it seemed like a total out of character moment for me. I, I just felt, who is this guy, and who? Where, where's where's the real Damien? You know, I yeah. just didn't know what was going on. You know, that was, that was just an odd odd sequence. Damien seemed really off in this story. Definitely not the Damien we know and well, either love or hate or somewhere in between. Um, but also Jason seemed off. This seemed like this came out of nowhere. Um, you know, him putting on the bat suit and then really not thinking at all about <clears throat> his behavior while in the bat suit. He just doesn't seem to care. Yeah, and I don't know what the initial thought of this was. Usually, you know, could, couldn't you all sit down and have a chat over dinner about yeah. you know where, where you're going to go from here without bruce but no it's 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 just a free-for-all and yeah. uh, just chaos on the streets and and, and chaos amongst the heroes it was just this oh, yeah yeah bizarre sequence to me i i i i can't i'm trying to remember when i read it and i don't know if i was a little more accepting of this when it came out but now all of a sudden with so much water under the bridge and just mm. where where we are now with the current bat history and uh the the, the dynamics of the uh bat clan if you will mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of kind of a weird weird moment uh, yeah. in, in a blip that i had forgotten about yeah. with uh, with all these events 
I found that, you know, with, in that one sequence, uh, where, you know, it's implied that Dick's in the bat suit and then he gets stabbed, but no, wait, it's Tim. You know, it's one of these things that is a twist for a twist's sake. I mean, you know, you're saying, Oh, good. It's not Dick. Oh, hold it. It's Tim. This is still bad. This doesn't really change anything. Um, I just, it, it added more confusion than it added a di- interesting dimension to the story. Jerry, I agree with you 100%. And I, I was a little lost in that place because, you know, yeah. here he is in the costume. And I, I thought, wait, who are you again? What is this? And yeah. he, you you shouldn't really have this. Uh, he looked more like an adult than, than his actual true mm-hmm. age, I thought, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And so you have Jason is in a fake Batman suit and Tim is in a fake Batman suit. And they look different. You know, they've, they've got, you know, um, Jason's suit is kind of like a, a mask on it of some kind. So, you, and, and is darker, you know, like almost black. So you can tell them apart, but you have these two fake Batmans and one of them is not the person you think it is. And it's, it was just confusing, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, and while I like the appearance of Nocturna, I, I don't know where, where it went. It was, it was a nice sort of, snapshot out of time you know uh, mm-hmm. she's doing the, the crime with a hot air balloon you know back in like yeah. back in the day you know i thought oh how cool is that uh yeah. we didn't really discuss too much about the uh, gotham gazette sequences and mm-hmm. i it'd be i'd do a disservice if i didn't mention that Gillamart was uh, one of the uh March was one of the creative uh, talent in that with respect to the artwork. And we had yeah. the uh, cross-section of all these uh, characters, uh, supporting characters, if you will, with uh, Leslie Tompkins mm-hmm. and Harvey Bullock and Stephanie, which which I thought were mm-hmm. nice sequences. But really, mm-hmm. it was tough to distinguish one issue from the next because it almost seemed like yeah. they, they had the same beginning, middle, and the end. And it's almost hard to distinguish mm-hmm. the covers by uh, that they were provided with this. Uh, we had this person framing the story like the the veil character uh aka millicent main who i'd forgotten all about and if you if you if just to paint the picture of her, her look and appearance if if anybody was familiar with the character ghost from dark horse comics from back in the day that that mm. almost literally looks exactly like the same character i thought oh what's what's ghost from dark horse doing in this dc book and no no it's this other character <laughs> she goes by veil Really, you know, this is the look you gave her, just down to the T with the, with the you know white scarf and hood covering her face, and it was just like, oh, yeah. man, you know, okay, but, you know, and I, I, I was supposed to get this air of mystery. Now, it's, I'm not trying to say that I dislike the character, but maybe more so the appearance of the character. I thought was uh, mm-hmm. man, perhaps a little unoriginal. I, I hate to bash it a little bit like that, but uh, an intriguing character. But just, just uh, I, I really not sure what exactly her powers were. It seems like she's kind of clairvoyant. She's she's she knows everything that's going on, but then. What more? I mean, you know, she's just kind of like, is she like supposed to tell us the story? Uh, Does she do any more than that beyond her quote unquote powers? Just, just uh, weird stuff. Uh, I I was, I I liked the idea and concept of it because, uh, you know, you kind of want to know what's going on with these uh, supporting cast, but just, just uh, how it was executed. Just, I'm not sure I was uh, totally engrossed as I, I could have been. Yep, very true. There was one interesting in the in the Gotham Gazette um one of the one of the issues there. There was an interesting little uh little detail that they were um planning something on the intersection of Brayfogle yes. and Wayne Streets. Nice touch. <laughs> I thought that I, was I love great. touches like yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. So I guess the the one a couple of questions that I have coming out of this is so if I recall correctly where we are in continuity the real Azrael is dead, <clears throat> and Jason Todd. The last, the last we saw, Jason was taking over as Azrael. I think we covered this a couple of episodes ago. There was something with Jason and Azrael, so that's leading me to believe maybe Jason's been kicked out of the Batman suit into the Azrael yeah, suit. Yeah, Jerry. You know, I'm. I hate to say well no one in comics is truly dead so you know so I, i'm kind of trying to yeah. wean with this a little bit of a grain of salt if you will which maybe isn't uh, a fair to 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 a listener but it's, it's just that I, I i feel so detached sometimes with with the characters because uh with all the multiple recollections you, you almost need a, a scorecard as to you know who's who and sure. who's coming back and 
I'm trying to remember, but I, I want to say you are correct, but it, that led me to believe, yeah, was was John Paul resurrected? I'm not sure. And how many incarnations of the character that. that we've had in this? Uh, uh, what, I, th- I think there was a dude named Michael that uh, did take over at some point, but I'm trying to remember when. Uh, mm. I need a. I, I got to think on this because this was such a weird timeline for me and trying to remember all the stuff that went happening. Um, yeah. Well, maybe if folks in the audience that are listening are probably sitting there screaming at us, uh, oh, this is what happened. Please yeah. send us uh, comments. We, yeah, because he did make know. a cameo in the uh, – Batman, whatever happened to the uh, Cape Crusader, I thought. Yes, he did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, and the other kind of strange thing is <clears throat> in this story is Black Mask is sitting there saying, oh, everything's going great. And his mask is off. I'm not sure we have, I mean, we don't see the face. The face is hidden in shadows. I don't think we've seen that before. I agree. Jerry, has the Black Mask character ever warmed up to you? I think I asked you this on several podcasts ago, but I just mm. never uh, – refresh my memory. What, what, what do you think of the character, and where would you rank him amongst the uh, Gotham rogues? Um, I, I think I probably – he's okay. I mean, I, I, he, he's not something that – a character that I dislike. Um, I think he's effective, but he, he doesn't grab me. This whole false face society and the mask society and all this – uh, secret, <clears throat> secret groups in Gotham that he seems to be part of all the time. Sometimes it's okay, um, but I think a lot of times it's um, just kind of an airball for me. Um, he, he's a perfectly serviceable gangland style leader villain, um, kind of more evil than Penguin. Um, so I think he's he's got his place, but he he doesn't thrill me at all. How about yourself? Well, you know, when the characters are introduced, I, I think uh, they wanted to have like a novel villain as to uh, a near, near-tier villain, you know. And all throughout the years, I always thought they tried to elevate the character to more than what he really was, if mm. you will, you know. Uh, which it's a tough it's a tough trick to pull off when you when you've got uh, B- Batman villains that have been around for uh, centuries, not centuries, but for years. Uh, and, and decades when you have your 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 penguins, jokers, riddlers, the costume foes, and then you're trying to get a guy with a suit with just mm-hmm. a mask on, it's it's tough, you know. I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't necessarily have a gimmick or a shtick, if you will, but uh, yeah, it, it just it just never resonated with me. Some of I, some of the characters, uh, some of his stories, resonated with me and had more weight than with the others, if yeah. you will. Uh, there was some stuff that he had in the uh, Batman Adventures animated comic, of all things, that I thought really did a, a superior job of uh, his depiction and a really uh, nailing the heart of the character down. Here, he, he just seems to bark orders a lot, and yeah. uh, all of a sudden, uh, wait a minute, you're, you're telling Killer Croc what to do? Shouldn't it be the other way around? You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know, so it's it, it's tough. It's tough for me to get a handle on him. I always thought he was sort of more or less uh, a B villain as opposed to an A-list villain for me. I agree. And he should stay away from Stephanie Brown because yes. we're not going to have this again. <laughs> yes. No. So if you would rate this or think of it as a must-read or recommend, where would you come down on that? Jerry, you know, it was weird because I, I started at a two and a half out of five, then I went up to a three, then I saw the... Yeah, the the cheesecakey shot of Canary that kind of took me out a little bit. So. <laughs> but you know, it was it was an okay read. I think I'm gonna mm, two and a half. I'd have to say that 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 was average. And I, I almost I'm, I'm I'm torn between a two and a half and a three because I thought there were some elements of this that were above, but then it, it landed below. The needle kept on going up and down for me. Yeah. I think when it when it when the dust clears, I'm going to have to settle at a two and a half. Okay. Uh, it, it it it's it's decent. There there it's it's certainly not the the you you could do worse by 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 Batman trade standards. Uh, you could do worse by story uh, art, uh, the way it was written. You could do worse by artwork, uh, but there were some things that were just too confusing. Too mm-hmm. too too drawn out with the fight and yeah. just not enough uh, depth and I, I felt a little lost with some heart in some places where I, there should have been some heart yeah yeah uh what i uh say it's a must read no what i recommended jerry i'm going to do this which i've never done on the show before mm-hmm. now for readers of the, the current nightwing title if you miss that incarnation of uh, dick grayson that you know and love and mm-hmm. you just kind of want a palate cleanser after you've read current nightwing <laughs> 
if if you can find this at a local library or, or, or a cheap deal at a bookstore, go for it. You're going to get some great Nightwing stuff here. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of Jason Todd, uh, check this out just to see. Hey, where, where was this guy's head at at the time? You know, this this is kind of an interesting uh, character study. You know, because there's so many uh, different versions of Jason where you see him now is a totally different v- version that you see back then. Yeah. You know, and I, I think uh, it it would do well one well to remember that if you're a huge Jason Todd fan. Now, this window of uh, recommendation is probably going to close at some point, <laughs> but in the here and now, at the time of this recording, I'm going to say uh, I will give it a recommend for for nightwing fans only okay how about you what was your rating and would you say this is a must read and recommend i agree with your range you know i could talk myself into a two and a half or a three pretty easily um you know the i think jason and uh damien are written unusually uh tim this is this is decent tim i like you know i'm i'm a tim fan so so that's okay so i think you know, uh, I'll say three just to be different right now, but I could see a two, two and a half very easily. Um, the only thing I would think of this as a must read is, you know, we're coming up to, uh, Dick taking over as Batman and we do see him first put on the cape and cowl. And there's a struggle as he's struggling to do it. And there's a little background. Batman told him not to, and now he's going to do it. Um, at the end. So if you really want to see that happen, then you should read this. Um, but otherwise, there's a lot of, a lot better stories out there to, to get your teeth wet, uh, sink your teeth into. Well said, Jerry. Well oh, said. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's all we have for, uh, this, uh, uh, issue. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that Chris and I do out there on the interwebs that uh, you can see us uh, other places, can't you, Chris? Yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. You can also find me on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Right now I'm reviewing uh, the Batman Adventures title that was done in the 90s based on the 90s animated TV series. Yes. And it's it's a nice uh, deep dive. I also got a segment within a segment called Nightwatch where I look at the Nightwing title from a shipper perspective. So I'm also uh, looking at Archie meets Batman 66. Six, which oh. is coming to a conclusion, so um, that portion of the show is going to go away until some oh. new Batman 66 material comes along, soon. hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, you can also find me on a new podcast called uh, Trust Your Cape, and the feed is over on uh, Get Walks Into a Comic Shop, and that's where we're doing a online role-playing game. Fantastic. So uh, the first episode is out there. And we're going to probably do our next one soon. I think mm-hmm. Bob's got some ideas with the respect to uh, individual adventures for the specific characters. Ooh. And then he's going to bring us back as a group again. So That's we've got good. some things in the work. Again, if you want to check that out, please uh, check out... Gal walks into a comic shop, and you, that's a show in and of itself you're going to like anyway, because it's yes. hosted by Bob and Barbara, and they're going to talk about uh, Bob, you know, has read comics all pretty much all his life, mm-hmm. and Barbara's a comics newbie, and they just do some great discussions with comics. They, <laughs> the last one I heard was uh, Barbara was trying to get into the X-Men, and, and oh, hearing her thoughts on the X-Men was so just... So hysterical. Oh, yeah. I, I, every show is a treat. Every show is a, is just a must-listen, and I, I, I have to give them applause, applause with yes. uh, all the things that they bring into it. Uh, the dramatization reads are, are, are marvelous, and uh, it's a wonderful show. And uh, I'm very fortunate uh, to be a part of uh, Trust Your Cape, Great which you can find on Twitter, at Trust Your Cape. So please uh, follow us there on Twitter as well. Uh, Jerry, I know you're doing some written mm-hmm. reviews at the thebatmanuniverse.net. Uh, in particular, two of my favorite characters, yeah. uh, Batgirl and Catwoman. Can, can uh, the listeners find your written articles there, my friend? Absolutely. You can go over to the thebatmanuniverse.net, and I've been covering uh, Batgirl and Catwoman now. I've been doing that, them both for quite a while, and off and on, um, Catwoman I've been doing for a couple of years now, off and on. So um, these are both books that are in really good runs right now and, um, definitely recommend check out the reviews. If it sounds like a book that you'd be interested in, def- um, and you see them in the, in the comic shop, uh, definitely recommend either of those books, um, would be a good read. Great. And Jerry, can the listeners find you on Twitter as well, my friend? Sure can. You can find me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. And out on Twitter, I tweet my weekly comics. And there's always good conversations around, you know, what comics everybody's getting on Wednesdays. And we talk about a lot about indie comics. And uh, 
tweet, you know, looking at dark shadows and um, music. And, uh, of course, you cannot forget that we uh, live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Svengoolie at uh, 8 Eastern time on Saturday nights. And we, we always have a good time. We had a good time last night. Good time last night. At the time of this recording, last night's feature was uh, Valley of the Giants, which I had not seen in a long, long time with uh, Ron Howard uh, as one of the cast. This was a, a Bird Eye Gordon <laughs> directed uh, bit and it, hysterical. Perfect movie for Sven Gulli. And yeah. uh, Freddie Cannon, of all people, also yes. showed up in the movie. That was good. Uh, yeah. And Tony almost, Basil. Tony Basil. My gosh, she yes. So she talented. could dance a storm. Boy, yeah. boy. Uh, Joy Harmon uh, from yeah. uh, Cool Hand Luke. Cool uh, Hand Luke, watching yeah. scene. Yep. And <laughs> I think she appeared on Batman as a pageant contestant in an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Kirk and yeah. Johnny Crawford. Yeah, from The Rifleman. And Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges, yes, yes. Wow. Such wow, a great what a, cast. What a cast. Uh, some uh, groovy dancing and some trippy music. And a lot of fun. It was the 60s fun. after all. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, Jerry and I sometimes get on board for Wonder Woman a little before that and mm-hmm. Wild Wild West, which was just a fun show back in the day. And Definitely. Just uh, all the weird scenarios of... <laughs> That happened to Jim and Artemis with, with, with a surreal uh, prisoner vibe in one particular episode that we yep. saw. Yep. And uh, Jerry, I hung around for Buck Rogers, which I usually don't do, but no. I, I, I hung around for Buck Rogers and followed along. And it was the Olympiad episode where they have these Olympics. And it, it seems to be just an you, – you'd think the grand spectacle of the Olympics, it's going to be in a wide open space. And here we are in the future. And it looks like it's just maybe in uh, one quarter of a gym. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. All the events are going on. <laughs> in, in in the Olympics in the 25th century, and I just, oh, uh, I guess some some budget constraints. Yeah, well, yes. what could you do? But you do the yeah. best you can, and uh, you try to sell it. And you know, the Olympiad of Buck Rogers in the 25th century is is, is one of my favorite episodes, just just for uh-huh. the uh, earnestness of of uh, trying to pull it off. Uh-huh. And as people pointed out when that uh, that issue came out, I think this was during the uh, U.S. boycott with oh. Russia. So you had that going on at the same time. So it took the place. It was it was. Yeah. Substitute for the the real Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, that's, sure what the, that's what that's what the person worked. tweeted out. That's so that's yeah. that that was our Olympics, if you will. So. <laughs> but uh, but uh, to, to bring it back home, a lot of fun uh, live tweets uh, on Saturday nights. Wow, so much fun. So now Chris and I also, um, you know, don't forget to che- check us out on the Professor Frenzy Show. Uh, Professor Frenzy Show is where Chris and I talk about indie comics. And by the time this episode is aired, we will have released, gosh, 37, 38 episodes of that show. Um, and we've been having a great time. So check that show out too, the Professor Frenzy show, uh, search on iTunes. And we're also, uh, it's showing up on YouTube now. So, uh, if you want to go over to YouTube, uh, check that out. Yep. Hey, Jared, guess what? We got some comments from our last episode, and this was the one where we reviewed Whatever Happened to the Cake Crusader uh, oh, by uh, Neil Gaiman and Andy Kubert. And, uh, Seminal, you know, you know, memorable story for people. Okay. And we, we heard from our good friend Green Lantern Age G yep. on Twitter. And Green Lantern Age G chimed in with this. He said, This one hits home. Batman, mm-hmm. Whatever Happened to the Cake Crusader is the first back book I got. Mm-hmm. For a beginner, I would say you're dead on in your description. I try to read it once a year, and every time oh, I find something new. Great episode, guys. As always, smiley face emoji, thumbs up. How cool is that? Awesome. You know, when, if if that was the first bat book you got, uh, Jerry. You know, to 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 kind of assess something where we were, and you know, having reread it, giving our take on it, and mm-hmm. we were coming at this as people who have had a lot of Batman stories under our belt already, and mm-hmm. convey at this. But to hear somebody as that was their first story really kind of resonated with yeah. me in a way. I thought how. What 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 a unique take to and perspective to come in on on that of all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a it's I, I love the story and I thought that on the one hand it could be confusing for a first time reader, but I hoped that you know with that perspective it would kind of feed that perspective. And it sounds like for um, Green Lantern HG, it sure did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to remember the first bat book I got. Uh, you know, it was probably a hundred page reprint from the early seventies mm. that reprinted, uh, the detective comics story, the two part story with, uh, the vampire, the monk. 
Ooh. And I think that was DC 100 page spectacular. I think they called it just DC 14. Okay. And I think that was the that was I think that was my first Batman comic right there. Okay. And even then I knew it was like this was an old story. I didn't know I knew that it was not a contemporary Batman story and it just had that eerie vibe and feel and that boy was I was I hooked on that. Mm-hmm. I, I just read that over and over and over again. Yep. That did it. That did it. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. All, all these years later. Yep. Well, we also heard from uh Ian via Twitter. Oh, yeah. Great episode! A reality-bending but ultimately very moving pair of issues. Mm -hmm. While these issues don't have much to do with anything before or after them in continuity, they are fascinating meditation on Batman by some top talent. Well said, Ian. And Jerry, I I, want to give you a a particular uh, shout-out because I think you really did a great job with the episode recap on that. Oh, thank you. uh, I I think that one was one of our better episodes where we had just just great conversation back and forth with our takes on that one. I I, I can't... I always enjoy podcasting, but this one seemed more conversational, Mm. and just to to hear different perspectives and how we came at this, I thought that was one of our better episodes. Yeah, I agree. We also heard from Laurel on Twitter, and she said, on the Bed Books for Beginners, I listened to your Batman R.I.P. episode, was surprised how high you guys rated it, I want to dig in my issues and compare... <laughs> uh, this uh, from the library to see the, the trade paperback from the library to see what the differences are. Okay. She also continues I did read Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader and loved it. Hmm. It's been years since I read those two issues, but the part that sticks with me is when he learns that his reward for being Batman in any of his possible lives was to have his parents for the years he did. Mm -hmm. As I said before, when the Christmas boxes get moved, I'm going to get my Batman boxes out. And again, and I'll reread these. Hey, Laurel, thank you so much. And if you're listening right now, my personal apologies go out to you because in my haste to record uh, my last segment for Batgirl to Oracle, I was on a new computer, got a new computer, and I didn't have time to include uh, your your comments for my segment on that last episode. So my deepest apologies. I hope you'll continue to listen to this show and Batgirl to Oracle and keep your comments coming. Absolutely. And hey, we also got a direct message on Twitter from uh, Bill Cipher. And a shout out to Bill Cipher. Thank you so much, Bill. And Bill's at Twitter at uh, T I O C O Y. I think that's Tiokoy, if I pronounce that correctly, Bill. My apologies if I mispronounce that. He sent us a link to a great uh, article on Comic Books Resources Mm -hmm. about uh, this particular uh, story arc. And we can't thank you enough for sharing your insights. That was really, really thoughtful of you, Bill. And thank you so much. And let's see, we got likes and retweets. On our past episode from the following, we heard from Bill Beer at Gotham Knight 13. He's the host and creator of The Bat Pod, which you can find on Twitter at PodBat. Thank you so much, Bill. Mm -hmm. We heard from Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie, co-host of the Cosmic Treadmill Podcast and contributor to Weird DC uh, Comics. And a shout out to Reggie, too, for his outstanding articles doing the deep dives on the uh, Lois Lane comics title. And just hysterical (laughs) articles in there. So uh, great, great thoughtful, funny, funny, well-written stuff from mm-hmm. the, all the uh, silliness from uh, Silver Age Lois Lane and bringing up some memories that, boy, I, I had forgotten how far out and wacky uh, the Silver Age Lois Lane was. So <laughs> thank you so much, Reggie, for <laughs> going through those and, and putting your thoughts out there in those articles. Keep them coming. Good friend, Soundtrack Ellie. Hey, oh, it's yeah. he's on Twitter at Soundtrack Ellie. Thank you so much, Randy. We heard from Lord Jack at Comics Ooh. Comics. We heard from Gal Walks into a Comic Shop oh. at Gal Walks. As previously mentioned, and this is a podcast uh, with Bob and Barbara. Bob knows comics. Barbara never read them in her life, but Ooh. she's getting more versed. As we said, uh, the last episode uh, was their take on Barbara's uh, examination of X-Men for mm-hmm. the first time and her thoughts and opinions of some of those stories. And I, I, I'm trying to think of a good X-Men story to recommend to Barbara. And I thought Bob did some great analysis with respect to the characters in comparison to the other origins of the Marvel uh, character universe at this time. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the examination of uh, uh, mutants. Just a lot of history they covered and a lot of ground covered in in that episode my applause guys you did an outstanding job with that one for sure oh speaking about outstanding jobs uh hicks at reading underscore hicks uh co-hosted with uh, at avant-garde they both do the doom patrol podcast mm-hmm. an outstanding show um high recommendation for that uh, you can find that on twitter at wfd pod and also the outstanding dc events podcast great mm-hmm. great job where you're rating all these dc events and ranking them in order and seeing how they stack up with other dc events you can find their twitter feed at dcocdcast well well done 
We heard from Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds. That's a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow. Hey, it's a part of the Rad Adventures Network with our friends Darren and Ruth. Hey, speaking of good friends, we heard from Dave at Lava Hog at Lava Hog. He's the creator of the Selling Out Show. Speaking of the Selling Out Show, you can find them uh, at Selling Out. Fine, fine stuff there. Definitely. Good, good friend of ours, Sean. Hey, Sean. Hello. Sean's uh, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ on Twitter. Co-host of the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast on the Pup the Pixel Network and Nerdy Dads on the Nerdy Dads Network. Fine, right. fine, fine stuff. Uh, Sean, and, and always look out for Sean when he's ever gusting on a show, oh, which yeah. he does frequently because he always does an outstanding job. So good. Clinton at Coffee and Comics at Coffee and Comics blog. Oh, Clinton, thank you so much. <laughs> we heard from... Batman America 10 Ooh. at Batman America 11. How about that? Hmm. Once again, Green Lan- yes. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. Longtime supporter of our shows. Thank you so much. Yeah. You heard from Austin Kuykendall at Freebird 316. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And if I overlooked you, my sincerest and deepest apologies. Uh, let Jerry know on Twitter at Professor Frenzy or let myself know at B2 on Batbooks. And we'll be sure to mention you on our next show. Thank you so much, everybody. Yes, thanks, everyone. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will continue our coverage of Battle for the Cal. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) My name is Jerry. Thank you, and I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. It's late in Wayne Manor Selena brushes her hair Rifles her closet Which cat suit to wear And then she asks him Do we patrol tonight? And Bruce says no It's bad books for beginners tonight They go to a party Everyone wants to see Bruce and Selena The trouble that she can be she asks him Anyone here to fight He says let's go We got bad books for beginners tonight If you like bad books But don't know which trade paperbacks you should buy There's a podcast for you all that will help you get it right. Bad books for beginners.